0: hey hey hey! what's up there winners it's your girl tab banning and we are back here at we win presents the winner's circle podcast yes guys i'm so glad to be back here with you um i hope that you all have been enjoying october have been enjoying the beginning of the fall season Um, We are in the last quarter of 2020, and just a few announcements for you. Make sure that you, if you have not already done so, if you are over the age of 40, if you have a history of breast cancer in your family, or if you know of any women out there who fit that criteria, make sure you ladies are going and getting your mammograms. Guys, you know, October is... um, Uh, uh, um, excuse me, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. So, you know, we've been talking about this and we're gonna have a, um, a guest later on in the month who is a breast cancer survivor, but this is my official PSA to tell you to please go and get your mammograms if you have not already done so Or to encourage other women, your aunts, your your aunties, your nieces, your grandmothers, whomever, all of the women that's in your circle, please encourage them to make sure that they are getting their mammograms and to make sure they're doing their monthly breast examinations. We got to save the Tatas and we have to fight like a girl. So apart from that, also, I am sure that wherever you are, early voting has started. If you are in a state where early voting has begun, please get out there and rock your vote. Guys, I cannot tell you how important voting is. We know what's up. We know, um, you know, what's at stake right now. Um, And it's just very important for us to get out there and rock our vote. So please, please, please make sure you get to the polls. Take people with you. Take young people with you. Take elders with you. If you're voting by mail, then make sure you get those up. Ballots in in the mail in time, but make sure that you get out there and vote. All right. So now that I've gotten some business taken care of and got the PSA taken care of and some other things, I have such a, a special show in store for you all this evening. I told you that I had a month of just extraordinary, powerful. Um, inspirational women that I will be interviewing and sitting down with and hearing their testimonies and hearing how they've overcome different challenges in their life. Um, We spoke last week about um, substance abuse and overcoming that with my good friend Tiffany Lynn um, Hatchet. And this week I have a very, very special treat for you. So we already talked about breast cancer awareness and we know that um, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. But October is not only Breast Cancer Awareness Month, October is also National Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And many people are unaware that uh, October is National Domestic Violence Awareness Month. So I wanted to just kind of run by you some statistics of domestic violence here in our country. So National Domestic Violence Awareness Month is an annual designation observed in October. um, And... Just to give you some statistics, uh, the US Department of Justice estimates that 1.3 million women and 835,000 men are victims of physical violence by a partner every year. Every nine seconds, a woman in the United States is beaten or assaulted by a current or ex-significant other. One in four men are victims of some form of physical violence by an intimate partner. Here's another shocking statistic. The number of US troops killed in Afghanistan and Iraq between 2001 and 2012 is 6,488. The number of women who were murdered by a current or ex male partner during that same time frame is 11,766, according to the Huffington Post. That's almost double the number of people who were killed fighting in a war. People who are in an abusive relationship will stay with their partner for several reasons. Either their self-esteem is totally destroyed and they're made to feel that they'll never be able to find another person to be with. Or there's a cycle of abuse, meaning that the honeymoon phase that follows this physical and mental abuse makes them believe that their partner really is sorry and really does love them. It's dangerous to leave. Women are 70 times more likely to be killed in the weeks after leaving their abusive partner than any other time in the relationship, according to the Domestic Violence Intervention Program. Statistics suggest that almost 5% of male homicide victims each year are killed by an intimate partner. They feel personally responsible for their partner or their own behavior. They are made to feel like everything that goes wrong is their fault. Lastly, they share a life. Marriages, children, homes, pets, and finances are a big reason that victims of abuse feel that they cannot leave. So, if you are in a situation where you are um, in a domestic violence situation or experiencing domestic violence, there is help out there. There's hotlines out there. I'm going to share the information with you on how you can get help, at the end of this podcast. But first, I wanted to introduce my guest to you. My guest, excuse me, is a domestic violence abuse survivor. And she's not only a domestic abuse survivor, but she's also a fellow classmate of mine. Um, When the month of October began, I was on Facebook and I saw a post that she made i was unaware that she had you know experienced this in her life and so i reached out to her and i said man i didn't know that you know you had this experience and would you be a guest on my podcast and share your story and she graciously accepted my invitation and so i can tell you that she and i are both fellow hempstead tigers we went to hempstead high school in hempstead long island in new york um we both was on the cheerleading team Uh, We served together, rooting on our basketball and our football players for four years. Um, She was a great teammate, a great classmate, and just an all-around sweet person. Very sweet spirit, uh, very humble, kind, um, always had a smile for you, team player. That's what I remember when I think of Bridget. And so I'm going to give you a little bit more detail on Bridget outside of the classmate that I know. So, Bridget Wilson is a native of Hempstead, New York, and she is the creator of Bakes by Bee. She creates delicious custom cakes and cupcakes. Bridget has endured numerous challenges in her life, such as domestic violence, having a parent with substance abuse, as well as raising two children alone, amongst other things. Bridget's goal is to use her testimony to help children who may be going through the same things. She created a safe space named Cupcakes in Conversation where children can learn essential baking and cooking skills as well as have a place to talk about their issues. Her goal is to break the cycle of dysfunction and introduce a new normalcy where people can seek help and services for their battle. So, winners, I would love for you to give a warm welcome and a listening ear to Bridget Wilson. Hey, Bridget, how are you?
1: Hey, Tabitha. how are you? I'm good.
0: I am well. I am well. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this podcast. Um, I'm so happy to have you on the show with us this evening.
1: You're welcome. It's my pleasure to help empower women through your platform. Thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. And, guys, just so you know, if the sound this evening is a little distorted, please bear with us. Um, We were having some technical difficulties, and so we've kind of had to... um, improvise a little bit this evening, but I felt that it was very important to have Bridget on the show. And I was like, look, we're gonna make this happen one way or the other. So just bear with us. Um, You know, it might not be as clear, but just turn your volumes up as loud as you can. And hopefully you can hear everything. I said this evening that the devil is a liar, man. I've been doing podcasts for several months. And for some reason, this month specifically, I had an issue last week um that we had to do it like three or four times before we were able to get the sound and stuff right and now this week so apparently the the enemy is definitely trying to stop these podcasts from coming through because he knows that breakthroughs and um strongholds are going to be broken when these when 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 women hear these shows and you know and hear these testimonies from you strong women that have overcome (laughs) I was like not today devil you know we ain't even about to let you have that so um but we're going to go ahead and we're going to jump right in so I've of course I've given your um your bio and I've told them you know how we met and how we know each other but, you know, I would just like for you to, you know, use this time to, of course, you know, just kind of give your, your story, what happened to you, you know, how you got involved, how you overcame, all of that stuff. And then, of course, we'll have some Q&A. But um, just go ahead and, you know, just tell tell the women and the listeners and everyone who's out there. I shouldn't just say women because I do have some male listeners, too. So, guys, I'm sorry. I'm going to say winners, because I call, I refer to everyone who listens to my podcast as winners. So please tell the winners your story. Tell them who Bridget is and and what Bridget has overcome.
1: Okay, sure. So um, I met my abuser when I was 18 years old. Um, I met him over the phone. I went to um, his home to meet him, maybe a couple of weeks after speaking to him and we immediately began dating like everything was awesome he cooked for me he did everything for me like he got my clothes ready when i was um going to school you know all these things he he was being great i fell in love with him um and i'm trying to think about the first time he um attacked me i can't remember what it was about it was know like a while ago but i remember him sitting on top of my torso and basically trying to choke me and i had to find a sharp object on his dresser because um the dresser was right next to his bed and i remember hitting him on the head to get more for me um i had never experienced that type of you know interaction with the male that i was dating so i wasn't like You know, wasn't sure what to feel. You know, we grew up in Hempstead, so fighting was, like, second nature. So I've seen fights before, but I've never been in a situation where I was, like, being threatened in that moment. Like, early on in the relationship, I didn't see any signs because, like I said, I've never been in a situation like that before. So I wasn't sure what to look for. And I, you know, now I do, but... (laughs) looking back, I was young, so you know, I'm just thinking like, oh, he's cute, you know, he does this for me, he does that for me, so I, you know, I had blondes on, basically. Um, I became pregnant at 19, I got pregnant. I had my first daughter at 20, and um, the abuse became worse. I just thank God that, you know, my children were very young, And they weren't, you know, able to witness what happened. So I was grateful for that. But I can remember it was a time where um, his father asked me to read something for him. Because at this time, I I was living with them once I got pregnant. And um, his father asked me to read something for him. So I read it. And he got angry at me because he thought I was trying to defraud his father something. He kicked me off the bed, and right under it was like right under the TV stand, and the TV almost fell on me. I ran out the house. I had on pajamas, and I ran. And he started, you know, he came out the house, he started chasing me, and we got into the park. We started fighting in the park, and he kicked my glasses off. So I went on the floor trying to look for them, and then he kicked my head into a lamp hole blood gushing everywhere i think like that was the worst of it but yeah it was always it was always a battle with something
0: behind me when i went places it was just it was just a mess wow Um, um yeah i'm so sorry that you experienced that so i'm assuming based on what you said that um so your abuser was your children's father correct yeah. Okay. And so you said you were about 18 when the abuse first started. I was... 18, I was, 19? I, I was
1: 18. I was like
0: 19. 19. I was there. So yeah. do you think... Were there any like early signs or red flags? Like, did he have a temper or did he snap at you? Like, or was it just like you know, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. So, like, how was it? Did you, did, was there anything that you feel like you might have overlooked that you didn't see necessarily at first from him? No, it was definitely mm. Jekyll and Hyde. I, I mean, he
1: was, he, it was, it was euphoric to be honest with you and I don't know if it was, I don't know, I can't really put, point my finger on why I didn't see it. I'm i am going to choke it up until I was young and dumb that I didn't, cause, you know, I wasn't, Accustomed to certain things, you know what I mean. So I didn't know, like, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. But once it started, I could kind of like time when when he would get upset, like or notice certain triggers. But in the beginning, I didn't see any red flags. Mm. No.
0: Yeah. Okay. And so, how long did you stay in the relationship? So four years. Four years. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, so when that, um, did you, you, well, you said that you had not previously witnessed or really had like any type of, because we know sometimes there's cycles of abuse or whatever, but you said that you had never really seen or had experienced, um, any domestic violence within your family. So it wasn't like this was something you were accustomed to or something that you seen growing up, right?
1: Right. So, and, it's, you know, I wasn't taught to, you know, look out for the boys that do X, Y, and Z. The main focus in my household was not having any children before, you know, you graduate high school. So, oh, you know, okay, cool, no problem. But it wasn't, you know, a, a situation where I was sat down, sat down and said, look, if a man does this, does that, so I didn't know what to look for. And, then, like I said, I didn't see it. I was just, like,
0: excited to be with him. Right. Because he was, like,
1: you know, a gentleman and very charismatic and everything like that.
0: So he kind of, like, bated me in, so to speak. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's so um, so important that you brought up that point because sometimes, you know, when we're growing up, like you said, we don't necessarily have those conversations with our parents or with our elders that, you know, maybe they perhaps they overlook it perhaps they think that it's not important to discuss it but like you said you know no one sat you down and said hey you know this this is this behavior is not cool or you know this behavior it shouldn't be tolerated or you know I'm saying different things like that um Uh I feel like you know also when we think about um how domestic violence is somewhat normalized right in our culture and in our neighbor i mean because i can remember us being in high school and i remember certain couples who used to fight all the time like i'm not gonna say any names but there were couples who were in high school who were putting hands on one another and it was just like oh they fighting again you know what i'm saying or it was just it wasn't like it it, it didn't have that label of this is wrong it was just like oh he crazy or blah blah blah, or you know they, they fight all the time or he'd be putting hands on her but it wasn't something that was like really frowned upon necessarily it was just kind of like I guess you know another thing that's kind of that was also normalized was you know young girls dating older men like with girls in high yeah. school dating dudes that were like in their 20s and stuff like that and it was kind of like oh you know I'm dating this dude and he's picking me up in a car and you're 16 and they're like 20 something years old so I think those things kind of go hand in hand within our community and within our culture and I think it's important for us to break those cycles and have those conversations like this is not cool this is not you know this is not cute this is not something that, oh, he loves you because he's jealous and because he has a temper and because he's putting his hands on you, that that means he cares about you. Because sometimes I think that we equate one with the other. Oh, he just acting right. like that because, you know, he's jealous or because da, da 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 And we somehow, again, just had that, that normalcy of this is just how it is and there's nothing really wrong with that.
1: Mm-hmm. I I agree. Because, I mean, we see fights all the time. So it's like, oh, girl, you know. And when we had that fight, I was just like, okay, we we had a fight. Like, you know, people fight. Like, okay, you know, moving on. But I didn't expect it to get to the level that it was. Once it escalated, that's when I knew, like, okay, no, this is, you know what I mean? This is not cool.
0: So when did you. I
1: got to do something about
0: it. I was going to say, so how, like, how many times had it been before you was like, Oh, okay, this is not a one time thing. This wasn't a one time we had a fight or a disagreement and it escalated. This is this is what he does. This is what's happening. Like how many times had he put hands on you before you kinda of started to figure out that, okay, I I'm in an abusive relationship uh, I, I left
1: and came back so many times. I I, I lost count. Like in I Oh my God. No on. <laughs> I'm Because I left and then he would call or like him and his mom were really close, cool and she would call like, you know, sorry and things like that. And my whole thing was I wanted to break the cycle of, you know, uh, my children not growing up in a fatherless home. Mm. So I was trying to meet their work for that. Like, you know,
0: come on bread. you got it you know what
1: I mean wow for the kids. Yeah, yeah man mm-hmm.
0: and oh my gosh so so two things come to mind and I'm sorry to interrupt you but two things no come to mind the first one was that you so you lived, you lived in the house with his parents right his parents witnessed did they witness him like abusing you were they aware that he was putting hands on you and you know was doing this to you
1: his mom didn't, his, he didn't live with his mom, but she was, like, frequently over there. He, his dad actually raised him. His dad knew that the abuse was going on, and he would tell me, I'm trying not to cry all the time. You deserve better. He wanted you to, like, I want to say time that he was like, I could see you doing, this is way before me, honey. I could see you in a business suit, doing business with a briefcase. You're better than him. You need to leave him. You need to, like, he... Like I love his dad because he always kept it real with me, but I feel like he told me, but it was up to me, right? You know what I mean, to make it happen. But he he would tell me all the time.
0: Wow, all the time, yeah. And and the second point that, the second point that you made about you know why you would come back or why you tried to make it work for your children, I mean. We do that all of the time because like you said, especially if we're trying to break one cycle, we have to be so careful, right? When Because a lot of times we are intentional about breaking one cycle, but then we can also you know start to cause another dysfunctional cycle or another generational curse so you knew what it was to grow up in a household without your dad or you know fatherless or what have you and so you wanted to change that and so in changing that you were sacrificing yourself your happiness and you know your safety um because you wanted your your girls you, you have two daughters correct Yeah. Yeah. You wanted your girls to grow up in a household with both parents. And I mean, I think that that is commendable. But at the same time, um, we don't always think about, you know, do we want them to grow up in a household just to say that they have a mom and dad when the mom and dad are fighting or, you know, dysfunctional and have all of this craziness going on just to say, Mm -hmm. hey, you have mom and dad in the house, right? So, right. um, So it's about, you know, trying to figure out, okay, you know i while i do want to break this cycle of not having you know a two-parent household i also have to kind of show my girls a better life and and that i'm strong enough to you know i'm saying to hold us down and to do what i need to do and not take this abuse because then also if they see you do it and they see then it creates a new cycle to whereas again that whole normal thing of okay well i seen my mom getting beat by my dad so i guess this is normal so
1: Yeah, and I I just thank God, they never witnessed anything. It was, he always, we always thought when the kids were like away or like gone for some some reason. I thank God for that, but that's definitely, you know, what happened. They were, they were never around. And they were, by the time I left, they definitely, I left him, my youngest daughter was, I
0: want
1: to say, two or one. Because he had went to prison, and that that was just like the icing on the cake. That was my stick, because he went to prison for two years. But it, it, was, it was a lot. It was a lot. It was a lot of mental, like nobody's never going to want you, um, you know, making fun of my weight. It was, it was a lot. It was a lot. And I left one time, and I went to a domestic violence shelter. He called me. He, I came over to his house for the weekend. And he wouldn't let me leave, so I lost my spot. So I was back in a situation, and then I left again. And once I went to that domestic violence shelter, that was it. I'm not coming back. I'm not coming back for a day, a weekend, a minute, or anything like that. It it was it was really bad. I mean, he was like, it was he was a cheater. He was cheating on me with girls like, you know, next door. So he you know, these women know who I am, but I don't know, big are you know. So it was it was a whole lot, you know, like forcing me to have sex with him and it, it just broke me down mentally and I was like, you know what, I can't do this because you're not gonna change. This is like what, the a time I done came back and it and like you said earlier it's a honeymoon, thing, where everything is sweet. And then all of a sudden, man, nah. I can remember one time he got angry. I had just went to the laundromat, and it was still like um, dirty clothes in the house for some reason. He mixed all the clean clothes with the dirty clothes and just left. So it was it was a lot of psychological stuff. Like he would hit me, and then you know when I bring it up, I didn't hit you. I didn't hit you. What are you talking about? I'm like, is he crazy or what? But he did have an alcohol problem. So Mm -hmm. now, you know, in retrospect, I'm like, maybe when he drinks, he really blacks out and doesn't remember. Not giving an excuse, but just trying to understand. Sure. But he was abused as well, sexually, by his father's girlfriend. And he, I was the first person that he really, like, opened up to and told about the abuse so hurt people hurt people and one thing i noticed what i like an illustration i have on my head for some reason is like a person with a book bag of rocks and they try to get you to carry the book bag mm. so he's trying you know he transfer, he's trying to change trans, he transferred his hurt to me mm-hmm. because somebody transferred hurt to him and I, I I, was talking to him the other day. Like, he and I talked sporadically. But I was like, I really hope you get the help that you need. I really want to see you heal. Because he's still dealing with alcoholism and, you know, abuse and things like that. He's still abusing women and everything. Still to this day. And that was, oh, my God, like 20 years ago when all this stuff happened to me. And he's still in that cycle of hurt and I had to forgive him. That was going to be my very, question.
0: Like, that was my question. Um, Have you forgiven I, him?
1: I had to. Mm. I, was so, I was very angry. I was like, you know, I I wanted, like, I didn't go up with my mom or my dad. My mother um, battled drug addiction for about 25 years and my dad just was not there. But, so, for me, I just wanted to I guess, had some type of validation or approval point like, oh, you know, I had kids with this man, so I'm going to raise my kids with this man and everything's going to be great, and I'm going to be this great person. But that didn't happen. So I was angry at that, like, God, why why would you want to hurt me? And all I kids just want to love you. So with those unanswered questions at the time and, you know, me dealing with raising my kids alone, not having any financial help from him, or anything because he felt in his mind if i'm not dealing with him he's not dealing with us that was his training thought so i had to deal with that and get therapy and go back to church and get back get my, my mental back definitely
0: Wow. You just unpacked so much there. Um, And that's why I just wanted to just let you keep going. I didn't want to interrupt you because you were just saying so much. And I was able to relate to a lot of what you said. Um, First, I'm sure that you know this already, um, but I just feel like I need to reinforce it and tell you that Without him, you are still validated. Without him, you are still killing it. Without him, you are still this awesome woman that's a businesswoman, an entrepreneur, a mom. You've raised two beautiful daughters. Like you, a lot of times we think that we have to. You know have certain titles or we have to have certain attachments in order to be validated and I get it so much because you know our stories are so similar you know my mom um I lost my mom at 13 to substance abuse um she struggled with it um for most of her life and um so I lost her at 13 my dad I did not live with my dad um we had somewhat of a relationship but we didn't you know I never really lived with him until I got much older Um, and so like you, I felt like, okay, it was, I had to, you know, I had to be victorious. I had to overcome. I had to, like you said, not have babies before I got out of high school, right? I had to go to college. I had to get married. I had to check all of these boxes in order to consider myself as validated or as, you know, like, okay, she, she has, um, what's the word I'm looking for? She she found a way to not become a statistic or to not become um, a victim of her circumstances. And then when certain things didn't work out, like when I had my daughter at 19 or when I didn't go to college, you know, right after high school, I felt like, man, I failed. Like I was supposed to be better than this and I was supposed to do this and that didn't happen because we have these time scales. I think sometimes we put these these time frames on ourselves. And we put these, you know, these uh, accomplishments that we feel like define who we are as people and as individuals. And if we don't accomplish those things within our time frames, then we are quick to tear ourselves down and we're quick to beat ourselves up. But those things don't define us. You know, there's no timetable to say when this has to happen or You know, because you didn't get married, or because you didn't go to college at this time, or because you didn't graduate. Like those things, they're great to have and they're amazing milestones, but at the end of the day, they don't define the character of who you are as a person. And so when you think right. about what you've overcame and, you know, the fact that you're still standing and the fact that you were still able to, you know, overcome that, not be bitter, not be angry, to forgive this man for what he's done to you. Those are the things that make you the amazing woman that you are. Yeah,
1: thank you so much. Thank you. I, I needed to hear that again because it was, it was a struggle, you know, it was a struggle because it was... It, it was just a struggle like what is going on like i got two kids but i had to put on my big girl and handle it handle it I <laughs> yeah and my heart of hearts like i didn't grow up like this like i grew up with my you know my grandmother my aunt um raised me church steering people so i'm like I, this is not my pedigree so I can't I can't become slouch, I can't fall off, I can't even, you know, trip too hard. I gotta get the help that I need and just keep it moving. That's what I had to do. And, you know, thankfully for me, um, him and I wanna say like a year and a half, two years ago, we actually had a conversation where he um took accountability for everything he did. He was like, you know, I was angry. And I said, well, why did you say this that day when you did this? He was like, man, I was just mad because this, that, and the third, da, 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 da. So I was able to get closer years later after I, you know, took steps to get therapy and everything like that. And I was thankful for that. Like, I I needed to, you know,
0: hear that. I was going to ask, how did that make you feel when he did say, you know, when he did offer accountability, when he did come forward to make amends how did you feel I
1: felt I felt good like okay it just it just brought it just brought closure to the situation because I honestly thought for a long time that I wasn't a bitty, bit of baby mother and I I'm not in a sense like I'm not gonna be on Facebook or like publicly blasting him but internally I was still mad. I'm not. I'm not gonna sit and I was mad. You know what I mean? Not all the time, but like some of the time, especially when I struggled financially. Like, you can't even, you know, do X, Y, and Z because you're always in and out of prison, or you just will not do. And it, it made me mad. So I was like, I think that that considers me a bit of, you know, baby mother. It didn't didn't hinder, you know, me raising the kids, but at the same time. It, it made me sad, like I had to
0: struggle like that, like oh you yeah, have no idea. Like, absolutely, you know? and I and you know i I hate first of all, I hate that term bitter baby mama or bitter baby mother, because you know, I feel like it's justified, I feel like you know mm-hmm. when we have these children, we don't expect to raise them on our own, we shouldn't have to raise them on our own, but sometimes circumstances happen within our life and we are forced to have to raise them on our own we're forced to have to you know take care of them financially and mentally and and all of those things because even their parents out there or their moms out there who might have financial help from their fathers but they still are you know the primary parents so they're the ones that stay with those kids when they're sick they're the ones picking them up from school each and every day and they're the ones that have to you know, guide them through life, you know, uh, child support isn't just, you know, child support doesn't raise a child, you know what I'm saying? You know, that's only, that's only half the battle. And to your point, you know, those are the moments where you sit back and it's like, you love your children, you don't ever regret or resent them. But you just regret the fact of why am I doing? Why am I having to do this by ourselves? And that's an honest feeling. And I think that's something that we shouldn't be ashamed of. I don't think that it's something that we should have to, you know, suppress or put behind us because it's a part of who we are and we have to deal with that reality. We have to accept that. And, right. you know, it, it it's, it's unhealthy for us to be like, well, I'm not allowed to feel this way or I shouldn't feel or I feel guilty or I feel like I have to keep this to myself. No, because, you know, um, honestly, you know, I've I raised two children on my own and I didn't always have the financial support of their dads either. And there were moments where I was very frustrated, you know, being down here, you know, with two kids having to get them back and forth and take them to the doctor when they're sick and get them back and forth to daycare and after school care and all of these things. And it's like, I didn't make these kids by myself. Why should I have to raise them by myself? You know, and over time, you know, we always have, you know, the father's That are custodial parents, they kind of get a pass because it's like, well, if they don't have it, they don't have it, or if they're not working, they're not working. Or, but as mothers, we have to figure that out. We don't get a pass unless we're just, unless we're just moms that are just, you know, because there's some mothers that are like, hey, I can't deal with this, and, and they drop the kids off somewhere. But for the most part, as a mother. You know you want, like you said, put your big girl panties and figure out how are we gonna do this, how are we gonna make this work and sometimes we don't get enough credit for that, but you know we do what we have to do to survive and to take care of our children um, right yeah, another point that you made that you brought up which made which which makes complete sense as to you know I don't want to say speak too much on this on him because I don't know him. I don't know his side of the story or what have you, but like you said, hurt people hurt people. So while I asked you about if you had ever been abused or had experienced that and you had not, he had. So he had a history of abuse um, and, and sexual abuse from an elder, you know, so I'm sure that had an effect on him and he was an alcoholic. So that could, the substance abuse along with the physical abuse or sexual abuse, that created this toxic environment and so now you know you come into contact with him and you have no experience with this and you're just coming in like completely green to the situation because you know despite whatever happened with your mom and what have you you still were raised in a household of love I would assume from your grandmother and your aunt and they're raising you and doing the best they can by you and then you come into this situation with this guy and he's got all of this toxic stuff going on and so now like you said, he's passed that baggage on to you.
1: Yeah. And I had to drop it off, child. I could not. I was like, I'm not I'm not gonna be this person. Definitely not gonna be this person, but I know I think for women who go through abuse and, you know, um, maybe single mothers or whatever have you, the enemy always makes you feel like you're the only one. So you suppress all these Feeling and you, you know, you go into depression, or you know, don't use sometimes, or you end up, you end up abusing your body and allowing things, other, you know, entities and things like that to come in, and ultimately, if you if you don't get a hold of it, destroy you because that was my issue. Like, I'm, like, I'm gonna keep this as quiet as possible. I'm gonna handle it. I'm going to get through it without too many people knowing. I felt like, you know, going back to um, what we were talking about earlier, I felt like I had to be, I had to be successful. And I I felt that in my spirit. Like, I got to be successful. I got to be something. Like, I can't let this, you know, get the best of me. But. At the same time, I'm like, I'm the only one that's going through this. So I'm not going, you know, tell my friends or make a big fuss out of it. But eventually, I I did have to tell my friends because, you know, it it was getting a little crazy. And they're like, we're here for you, you know. We're going to support you and they definitely did support me, but...
0: That's a blessing.
1: They need to know they
0: are not alone. Nothing is new under the sun. <laughs> Nothing. And, you know, that's you know? part of the cycle of abuse is that, you know, the abuser usually does things to you mentally, physically, sexually that alienates you and isolates you and puts you in that situation to where you feel like you can't talk to anyone about this. You know, it gives it that shame and that embarrassment. And so you become almost reclusive, right? And you're just dealing with this internally. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want anyone to know what you're going through because you don't want to be talked about or you don't want to be judged more than anything. And so you try to figure out how to just cope with this internally. And like you said, if you don't get a handle on that thing, it will destroy you. Um, I can remember. And it's weird because, you know, like I said, growing up in a household where, you know, my mom. You know, she she was a, she was an ad, she was an addict, and she suffered with substance abuse. And so I seen a lot and experienced a lot in that household. Um, and so I didn't realize the effect or the toll that it had taken on me. And so, and so when I got older, I started to see that I had a lot of pent up anger, I had a lot of resentment, I had like an evil streak in me, and you would never even really know it because it rarely came out. But I was almost like, I'm not going to say an abuser, but I definitely like would get into physical altercations with people that I was dealing with. And so, you know, I didn't feel like I was being abused because I was like, well, I fight back. You know what I'm saying? We, we, we're we fighting. It's not me getting abused. And, you know, so I almost thought I was better than the woman who would who would get beat up by her husband or by her boyfriend because I was the aggressor sometimes you know or i fought back or sometimes i would even initiate the you know the physicality of the argument you know it would turn into an argument and it would escalate and next thing you know we we throwing hands and this was happening in like several relationships that i was in and i was like okay uh i'm the common denominator here so maybe it's me (laughs) you know i had to really take a look at myself and be like why do i feel the need to put hands on people you know you know what is it with me i don't want to be labeled as an abuser i'm not i wasn't abusing men but i was fi- you know it would get to a point where it would be an argument that just kind of escalated from a, a d- disagreement into a shouting match and then don't get in my space don't get close to me because if you get close to me or if you put your hands in my face or whatever then i'm i'm going to protect myself and that's kind of how i was looking at it from that perspective but I was a firecracker, <laughs> and God and God delivered me because my little self, my little five foot self, small frame would be trying to throw hands with the best of them. Okay, and knowing that these men would overpower me, knowing that they could have flung my little butt in a trash can or tossed me anywhere, I was like, "Well, if you hit, you better kill me because if you don't kill me, and if I can keep getting up, I'm going to keep getting up." And right. and and that's just kind of how I was. And like I said. You know, not thinking that it was cute, but like I said, I did not see it as I was in abusive relationships. I saw it more so as, you know, we fight from time to time, but you know, psh, I ain't no sucker. So I'm going, he hit me, I'm hitting him back, you know, and I look back on it and it was so silly because honestly, you know, I could have been hurt. I could have hurt somebody. You know, I I didn't pull knives on people. You know, they I had a nickname they called and this is me being super transparent. Like some of my friends, they still tease me. They call me Stabitha cuz they like, "You're pulling a knife on somebody in a minute." <laughs> Girl. <laughs> but it that was anger. I had so much anger on the inside of me and I just did not realize it that I had a okay. lot of I I was angry. I was an angry and I put on this facade, like I was, you know, happy-go-lucky, and but you know, losing my mom and not having a great relationship with my dad, and just you know, all of those things that I witnessed and saw, it did something to me, and I don't think that I really understood it at the time, but it started manifesting itself in my early years, you know, as a young adult, and I was toxic, like I, I was, I was toxic. I, I have to, you know, just kind of own that and say that. You know, if it wasn't for God delivering me from that and setting me free from that, who knows where I would be right now. I could be in someone's jail or prison for for stabbing somebody because I was quick to pull a knife on somebody. I'm telling you. Um, And I can remember one relationship that I was in um, with this guy and he was an alcoholic and I was drinking heavily at the time, borderline alcoholic. And we would fight. I'm, I'm talking about we would fight. It was such a toxic relationship. And it was almost like God just kind of came to me and was like, you have to get out of this. Because if you don't kill him, he's going to kill you. And I can remember one time leaving my house. And it was probably like November, December. It was freezing outside. And I had on like some biker shorts with a tank top my tank top was ripped it was I was barefoot it was blood everywhere because he and I was fighting and I had my kids with me and I was like I can never my my daughter was terrified she called the police she couldn't have been any more than like maybe first or second grade um but I was like okay Tabitha you you got to do something and i I left. I was like, "I'm leaving you, I'm gone like I, I I will do whatever I need to do to get the hell away from you, but this this is a toxic environment for me and my children, and then I had to get out of that so
1: Definitely.
0: um so I've had my experience with domestic violence as well, um, and like I said i can't say I can't put the blame on my partners all the time because i i played a role in it as well um but you know hurt people hurt people and you have to figure out how to get delivered from that and how to get set free from that and find your peace and find your joy because otherwise you'll continue hurting people
1: definitely i i definitely understand i've been in relationships. i haven't gotten into any physical fights but um the threat is real Oh, I'm just, I'm just like, I had one guy tell my mother like, um, I'm scared of your girl, Like, when she gets mad, because I'm just like, I, I, I think for me it's like I don't want to be violated. If I'm not violating you do not violate me. I beg because it's you know, and I still struggle with it. I'm not, I'm not gonna sit up here and lie. My anger, I got anger issues, but I can ignore it to a degree. Like, okay, like, Richie, you don't know, put your hands, you know. Right,
0: you right. Just, you know? Like, I, do that. I can remember one time, I, and this is before my husband and I even got married, but I, I remember us getting into it one time, and he was like, listen, I don't do that, and I'm not going to allow you to do that to me either. And if that's what this is going to be, this is not going to work. And he was firm, and he was serious with it, and he was like, we're not going to do that. And it never happened again. <laughs> it absolutely never happened again. And I was just like, but he was absolutely right. He was like, if we gotta put hands on each other, you you're not gonna put your hands on me. He just told me straight up. I don't you. I don't care how mad you get. You're not gonna put your hands on me. I'm not gonna allow you to do that. This that's not what this that's not what's gonna happen right here. And I yeah. was like, you're right. I was like, you're absolutely right. So, yeah. <laughs> um. But perfect segue for us to go into some of these other questions. So um, let's see. We talked about the nature of the abuse. Um, You talked about, you know, your friends and family. You said initially they were not aware of what was happening because you kind of kept them in the dark. Um, So when did you get to a point or, okay, so let's, can you, do you remember like the final straw? Like your, your moment where you was like, this is it. I'm not doing this anymore. Like, what was that moment for you where you decided to walk away for good?
1: I just got tired of the back and forth. I wasn't, you know, stable at that point. Um, it was, it was just too much. I just, I don't know. I just got tired. Like, you, you're not going to change. You're not going to stop, you know, cheating on me. You're not going to stop beating on me. You're not going to stop, you know, saying all these words to me. I, 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 and, you know, it was a moment, I can't remember the day or anything like that, but I knew that I was losing myself. Like, I would sit here watch TV, I would watch fashion shows and stuff like that, like, this is what I want to do, this is where I want to be, and look where look am that. And I just started talking to myself, like, girl, you got to get this together. You want your kids to get beat? Because, you know, I started reading up on stuff, like abusing, you know, sometimes they abuse their children. Um, I was like, nah. It it it, it was like a, an awakening. I can't remember like the month or anything like that. But I just was like, I'm out of here. And then I think a month or so after that, he got arrested and he went to jail for two years. So that was that was just it. That was my dad. him getting arrested gave me the freedom. I moved back to Long Island got my own place, and that because all of this happened in the block but so I just moved back to Long Island got my own place and then I started moving and shaking once you know meet somebody else and it's just like oh who, who's that no I don't want it you know and that person <laughs> what <went>, you know <laughs> if that's basically what it was I just like moved on with my life but him getting you know arrested was that, the best thing
0: him, he, him getting he I was—I oh, was gonna say, him losing his freedom gave you your freedom.
1: That's it right there. Yep, yeah. that is yeah. it right there. Yeah, that was—that was the best thing that could have ever happened. And you know, I just moved, moved on, all mm-hmm. the way on. I was just like, whatever. Mm-hmm. He definitely came to my house after he got arrested, and it was so crazy because he was having a relationship with um, this woman that lived in the building next to where we live at. And I never had an issue with the girl or whatever the case was. He um, came and I asked him to sit and, um the cable people were coming. So I said, can you stay at my house? Because I have to go to school. The cable people are coming. I looked on my phone and I seen the caller ID and the girl had called my house. Now mind you, you were you were locked up for two years. I haven't talked to her since. You know, I lived out there, so I you get my number. He wanted to fight me because the girl called my phone. I simply called my mother, she was like, "Sir, you will not leave. She, <laughs> you will not leave Allen walking. You will leave in a body bag if you touch my daughter." And I promise you, promise <laughs> mama. My mom and like three cousins were at my door, like, is there a problem? I, like, if it was just that type of thing, I was like, you still haven't changed. It wasn't like I was trying to pursue a relationship. I just, you know, it sort was of like, oh, you know, come see the kids. Just help me out with this one thing. He literally wants to fight me because this woman called my phone and I asked them how she got my number. So, you, this is just, this is just you, buddy. I'm, I'm immediately. Girl.
0: Special. Wow. Well, yeah. well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a pause for just a moment. Um, and when we come back, we are going to talk about how you overcame um, your healing process and what message that you have for the winners out there who may have may have been or may be currently in a domestic violence situation and what words of motivation and encouragement you have for them. So winners give us about two minutes and we will be right back. And we are back here at the Winter Circle Podcast with my guest, Bridget Wilson, and we are speaking about overcoming domestic violence. Bridget has shared with us her testimony of how she overcame domestic violence from her from her abuser, which was also her children's father. And so now we're going to get into your healing because we don't want to focus so much on the abuse piece of it. We want to focus on, you talked about how you were able to forgive him And we know that when we forgive other people for things that they've done to us, that it's really not for them, but it's for ourselves. Forgiveness allows us to be free. It allows that person to no longer take up space in our hearts and in our heads and in our minds. Um, It allows us to to be able to put our guards down and to love again and to trust again. We can't do any of those things if we are harboring unforgiveness for others. Also, we want to think about the fact that you know we have not always lived perfect lives our own selves, and we want other people to forgive us for things that we may have done, so we have to be able to extend that same grace and that same mercy to other people sometimes it's more difficult than others depending on what the transgression was. However, remember that forgiveness is not for them, but it is for you so bridget yeah, you so Bridget, you said that you were able to forgive him you were able to move past it um in doing that can you tell me what steps that you have taken to heal um from I know you talked about how he you know not only did he physically abuse you but he also verbally abused you he said things to try to tear you down tear down your self-esteem um you mentioned in the earlier segments that you know um you you did deal with some, you know, issues with, you know, insecurity and and, and how you looked and, and your weight and different things like that. And that was all pretty much because of, you know, him trying to keep you under the thumb. You know, that's what abusers do. If they keep you powerless or if they feel like they can, again, alienate you, isolate you and make you not feel good about yourself, then they feel like they can keep control of you. And so how are you able to, you know, heal from those things that he did from you? What types of things did you do um, that allowed you to, you know, get back to being Bridget?
1: Um, I enrolled back in school. Um, I definitely sought out therapy. Um, I got back into the church. I've been going to church my whole life. And, you know, during that period, and, and for a while after, um, I still wasn't um, going to church but then I thought, you know I got back in church and I just got back in my work and like started listening to certain um, sermons and things like that um, I was a part of a domestic violence survivor group for about four years so you know I had comrades that survived as well and I just got back to being me like you know Going out, having fun,
0: being around my family, that
1: definitely helped me. And that, those
0: are the things that I did. Yeah. How were you able to, um, and I guess, you know, when we go through things like that, when we go through situations where we've been hurt, where we've trusted people and they have disappointed us, where they have, you know, done things um, to, you know, essentially kind of break us down... How was it for you, you know, getting back out there, dating again, you know, um, how did your experience affect how you were able to date and trust again?
1: Um, I was more cautious, of course, but I would watch. I would definitely watch before I acted on, like, okay, I'll date you or whatever the case may be. I would watch how they act when they're angry, when they're happy, how do they treat their parents? how, you know, how do they treat other women around them, like, what's the energy in the room when they come in the room Do people, you know what I mean, and things like that, and that's, that's what helped me, and it's still helping me to learn how to, um, trust people, especially when I have, because I have daughters, I'm not even going to get into that, Uh, I threaten people with my kids, but... Um, that's what I that's what I definitely think. Cause I go off, um, I will threaten somebody in a minute. To not talk to them, don't
0: say nothing to them, leave my kids alone. But yeah, that's that's what I think. I well, still do. did you find yourself? Because I know, like, especially when when you're a single mom and you're dating, man, I can remember being a single mom and dating, and I remember being very super cautious about who I allowed around my children. Um, my children didn't meet people that I dated, but not not a lot of them because I, I dated. I definitely dated. And, you know, some people just was not worthy <laughs> of coming around yeah. my children. So it was like, you know, I'm not going to meet you today and then you meet my kids tomorrow. No. Um, and then especially when you have a daughter, you know, it's even uh-huh. more like, no, um, I got to I got to sift you out first. I got to make sure that, you know, you are um, worth you know, even being in the presence of my children, right? So, um, there was something else I was going to ask you. Uh, da, 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 da. Hopefully, it'll come back to me. Um, it was in regards to dating um, and having those barriers. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Um, I I read this once um, that when you're dating someone, you know, as we were talking earlier about red flags and, and being able to see You know signs of a person who may have some anger issues or things like that that when you're dating someone and that's for people who are out there who are currently dating see how that person reacts in the time when they're being challenged or see how they respond to things not going their way see how they respond to you know when they how do they act when they're angry how do they act when they can't get their way You know, like you said, how do they treat their mom? How do they treat the woman that's around them? But really seeing them in different, um, in different, like, I guess, in in different um, emotions. And that can kind of show you, because some people, like, if you see, you know, this might not be a good example because a lot of us have road rage, but how how angry do they get in road rage? <laughs> you know how angry do they get if someone cuts them off or how you know you need to see how they get when their buttons are pushed because that can be a good indicator of you know how they might deal with you if you two, because let's let's be honest no relationship is perfect there are going to be moments where you're going to disagree you might have heated discussions heated arguments and you want to make sure that they still have you know self-control if they lose it because someone cut them off or if they lose it because you know somebody stepped on their shoe or something like that you might want to be a little cautious in dealing with that person i'm just saying i'm telling you yeah for real especially when
1: you have um children you know what i mean Absolutely. move day. Because you know children are barely the victims of their parents, so God forbid they're something. And a guy, you know what I mean? And he went, oh, God, have mercy. I don't even want to that. My kids are grown and I'm still raised. I will tell you, I said it on the podcast, do not play with my children and stay alone. <laughs>
0: Thank you. <laughs> All but, right, y'all heard it here first laugh. on the winners. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say y'all heard it here on the winners circle podcast. Bridget Wilson will kill you over her kids. She's not playing. Yes. <laughs> She's not playing yes. no games. <laughs> I was, I'm, I'm a big split on that
1: even even now like mm-mm. leave them. Don't don't think nothing to them too much until I give you permission. But you know, I had I had to tell my daughter too about abuse and you know um what to look out for because if i experienced all these things and didn't
0: teach them everything
1: is in vain yes or even speak about it you know
0: yes and that was my next question for you so you must have been reading my mind is how have you you know shared your experience with your daughters Um, You know, do they know what's happened to you and what advice do you give them and just anyone else that's out like that's out there? Like, you know, what conversations are you having with them so that they can, you know, protect themselves and, and know what to look for and what signs to look for? And, you know, if it does happen, you know, them not feeling the same alienation and isolation that you felt. So they can come to you and be like, Mom, I'm in this situation or Mom, this is what's happening because you didn't feel like you had that. Um, but hopefully you have that type of relationship with them now to whereas they feel like they can come to you if they are, you know, if they find themselves in that type of situation. Yeah, I, I talk to my just like we're talking, I talk
1: to my kids just like that from young. Like no sugar coat, I'm not holding no bonds I Personally feel like the world is not going to hold back on you and I'd rather you get it from me than from anybody else like I told them what happened to me and things like that you know as, as they got older of course I went into more detail and they were under able to understand it better and um my youngest daughter's in a relationship and I'm like okay I think I told her a little too much because she's like a little too like no, you're not going to do this and I'm like, okay, you know, you need to pipe down a little thing. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? But I'm like, okay, that it, I don't know if that's good or it's bad, because this girl is nuts. And, okay, but I know they know how to handle these things. So, so that, you know, to me, that just shows me, like, okay, they're listening. But I was just up front, like, look, this is why... Um, I won't bring you around your dad because X, Y, and Z, B, Y, X this is what happened I showed them a picture and you know they, they've heard things because it's been other situations out with me but with other partners and things like that that have gotten out and I've heard about it or you know they've heard about it so they definitely don't do not don't play the hand games and don't, and don't put your hands on nobody either
0: exactly exactly and that's the conversations that we absolutely need to have especially with our daughters because we find it you know we we're more uh understanding of it if it's a woman right that's putting her hands on a man and as a mother of a son I I'm quick to be like you you know these little girls better not be out here putting their hands on my chat on my child you know We need to have these conversations. I have a son and a daughter. And I have conversations with both of them. It is not uh, cool for either one of you to put hands on anyone that you're dating. And if anyone that you're dating is putting hands on you, then that's a problem as well. Um, Mm -hmm. Because, you know, girls, you know, they have tempers as well. Like I said, I was one of them, so I can attest to it. And a lot of times, girls have this... Impression that they can hit men and that they're not going to get hit back, and you know that's a discussion that you know is very controversial because I raised my son to never put his hands on a woman, but I also raised my son to protect himself. So if he finds himself in a situation where there's a woman that's coming at him or beating on him or putting hands on him, you know, hey, you know, grab her hands, you know, get her, stop her from from hitting you. Don't hit her because you can always out, you know. Outpower a woman or whatever but don't sit there and be their punching bag either we're not going to do that so we need to absolutely have these conversations with young women to let them know you know don't think you're going to go out here and just be slapping your man around or putting hands on him no if you got to put hands on the person that you're dealing with or dating with then maybe that's just not the person for you that maybe that environment is not one that you guys need to be in because there should never get to a point where Physical violence has to become a part of a relationship. And this is speaking from someone who used to incorporate physical violence into their relationship. It's not cute. It's not cute and it's not healthy. That's not a healthy environment. It's not a healthy environment to raise children in or anything like that. So if you find yourself in situations where you are, you know, fighting each other then get counseling or or figure it out or part ways but you can't keep continuing on like that because someone can get hurt or someone can get killed absolutely I didn't
1: even I'm not gonna lie take men getting abused seriously until I got older and I witnessed women abuse I said oh my god men get abused because you think of a man as strong and You know doubt or whatever the case may be and it's like that's impossible but it's it's some vicious women out here just like it's some vicious men and it, it is serious i'm like oh my god
0: absolutely and then the thing about it is like we talked about the shame and the embarrassment so if a woman feels shame and embarrassment about being abused imagine a man saying my woman beat me up no man wants to you know go and say that they've been abused because can you imagine the ridicule from their peers from their family or what have you so a lot of times they're suffering in silence as well and you know like i said earlier most men are raised, or, you know, just kind of have it in them to whereas I'm not going to put hands on this woman. I'm not going to hurt this woman. I'm not going to fight her back. But in turn, they are being abused. So that's something that, you know, we joke about and we take very lightly, but men are getting abused as well. So mm-hmm. um, it, it needs to stop on both ends, <laughs> both ends.
1: Agreed. I, I definitely
0: agree. Yeah. All right. So as we are wrapping up, um, I would like to give you a few moments to, you know, because here on the Winter Circle Podcast, we have a mantra. And our mantra is to uplift, encourage, and inspire to live purpose-driven lives. And so this is your opportunity to, one, send a message out there for everyone that's listening on whatever it is that's on your heart right now. That's uplifting, encouraging, or inspiring. And then also to spotlight your business and tell them where they can find you your social media, um, your website. Um, I've seen your cakes. They're amazing. Like, I'm mad that I'm all the way in Atlanta because I really want one. (laughs) Even though I don't need one because I'm watching my figure, but those cakes look so good. And the next time I come to New York, I have to hit you up or maybe I can just have one shipped down here to Atlanta. But yeah, this is your moment to uplift, encourage, and inspire our listeners. Okay, I just
1: want to say that God loves everyone uh, with an everlasting love. He died for us so that we can have liberty and life and live it abundantly. Um, I want to say to any woman that's listening, that's had been abuse, it is not your fault. Um, you also have to find forgiveness for that person that did you wrong. I would say seek out um, therapy and any other methods of healing that you find suitable. And if you are in a violent relationship, the best method I would tell you to do is escape it, but do it in a way that you can escape safely. There are um, plenty of resources out here to help you get out that situation. You deserve better. You are better than the situation. And you can overcome it. Um, you can find me on Instagram at bakedbyb.com. And dot is spelled out. So it's baked by B-O-T-E-O-M. I'm on Facebook at Bridget Wilson. It's B-R-I-D-G-E-T-W-I-L-S-O-N.
0: And my website is www.datesbyd.org. Thank you. Hello? You still with me? Okay, okay, I thought I lost Uh, you for a second. I just wanted to say thank you so much um, for pouring into our woman on this evening. Um, I know that you have blessed some women by sharing this story. You know, we've laughed, we've talked seriously um, about domestic violence, there's a domestic violence is no laughing matter it's something that's very serious I shared the statistics with you all um you know it's it, it's something that is definitely a problem within our culture within our society and I think that the first step in you know reducing this or you know canceling it all is us simply having conversations about it um you know a lot of women again are you know living with this in shame and you know feeling embarrassed and alienated and feeling like they're the only ones that's going through this you're not there's a community of women who have survived this there's a community of women who are ready to support you and to help you you do not have to live um this way and i highly encourage you as bridget said to figure out an escape plan that's safe um but there is a way out. You do not have to continue to go through this. And again, I wanted to emphasize that this is not just a woman's problem. This is a man's problem as well. There are men out there who are being abused and are suffering in silence. And I just want to say that there's help out there for, for you as well. You don't have to continue to live in this way. Um, if you are experiencing domestic abuse, you can definitely absolutely call 911, of course, but there are also other resources that are out there where you can get help. Um, let's see here. I'm trying to actually click on it, but with me clicking on it, I think it's thinking that I need help and I don't need help. Hold on for a second. Let me find the number and find the uh, information because I want to make sure that I get this to you all also in that same vein um, I am an independent damsel pro um, and I sell personal safety products for women and I have sold everything from stun guns to um, pepper sprays to coupons to all different types of um, personal safety products for women who felt like they just needed that extra layer of protection in their homes Um, to protect themselves against their abusers. If you are in need of any personal safety products, please feel free to reach out to me to contact me. Um, Of course, my website has the connection for um, my personal safety products, but it's uh, um, womenempoweredwin.com. You guys know that I'm on all social media. I'm on um, Instagram at we underscore win underscore LLC and then I'm also on Facebook we win LLC and again I am an independent damsel pro for damsel in defense and I sell personal safety products so if you feel like you need to get some safety products for yourself by all means please feel free to reach out to me um let's see the hotline so the hotline ah the hotline is 800-799-SAFE. And that's 7233. Once again, that domestic violence abuse hotline is 1-800-799-SAFE, S-A-F-E. And you can also um, reach out to them if you are in need of assistance there. So Bridget, once again, thank you so much for being on the show. I greatly appreciate you sharing with us this evening. And um, again, you all, she shared so much information. Please like her, follow her, share her page, share her information. If you are in New York and you need cakes, specialty cakes, birthday cakes, uh, baby shower cakes, wedding cakes, whatever it is, she does it. So reach out to her, support black business, support female entrepreneurs, all of that good stuff. Bridget, I love you
1: love you too thank you so much for having me it was a pleasure i really enjoyed it good
0: i'm so glad that you did have a wonderful evening and thanks for being a part of the winner's circle podcast where the conversations are different have a good evening you
1: too